Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to John chapter 8. God gave us the Bible. It's one book with 66 books inside of it. The first 39 books were written before Jesus came, and they would call it the Old Testament. The New Testament was written after Jesus went back to heaven. That's, uh, that was given to us to tell us about Jesus. And not only all the Bible is given to us to tell us how to get to heaven from here. How we can know 100% sure that when life is over, you'd have eternal life. God loves man. He loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why would he do that? He would do that because he loves us and he wants us to have eternal life with him forever. A hundred years from this very moment, for everyone in here, all that's going to matter is where you live. With God in heaven or without him in hell. That's what's going to matter. It won't matter what car you drove, what community you lived in. It won't matter the, the uh, pigment of your skin. It won't not matter where your family came from, what your hair did. What's going to matter 100 years from today is where you live. With God in heaven or without him in the lake of fire. That's why God gave us the Bible. He tells one little boy there, Timothy, when he was a young man, he said, from the scriptures have made you wise unto salvation. Everybody owes it to themselves to have someone take the Bible and show them from the Bible how they can have eternal life. I remember when someone did that for me. It was on a Sunday night. And someone sat with me and they walked me through God's plan of salvation. They told me how I could know for sure when life's over, I would have eternal life. To that point, I had not accepted God's gift. I thought in my mind that it was a reward to attain because of doing right things. They shared with me from the Bible that eternal life is a gift of God. It's not a reward for the righteous. It's a gift for the guilty. On Freedom Sunday, I bring you to the passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking to people, some of which believe on him and some of which have rejected him. Matter of fact, they're not only rejected him, they're opposing him strongly. I would encourage you to read John chapter 8 in its entirety. When it opens the chapter, Jesus has gotten up early in the morning. He has spent time with the Father on Mount Olivet. Now he makes his way to the temple. He is there speaking to people who want to hear him, and then people who don't want to hear him, they came with a lady who was an adulteress. They said they caught her in the very act. They didn't bring the man. Obviously, they were both there. They just brought the lady. And they took her and put her in front of Jesus, and they said, the Bible says, Moses said, this lady should be stoned. What do you say? And he ignored them. And the Bible says he stooped down and he began writing something on the ground. It was on the Temple Mount, so there may not have been a tremendous amount of dirt and sand there. But then with his finger, he began writing something and ignored what they said. And then he said, what do you say? Tell us, stop ignoring us. And then he wrote again, he said this, Any of you out there who are without sin, 
throw the first rock. We don't know exactly. God does not tell us. We'll find out later what he wrote in the sand. It was his finger that wrote the Ten Commandments. He may have written all the Ten Commandments there. He may have written the name of the people that they had been guilty of immorality with themselves. He may have written some things about each of them and wrote their names. But whatever he wrote there, in a few moments from the, the most boisterous, oldest, frustrated Pharisee to the youngest one, each of them kind of just slipped away and went into the crowd and left him. When it was all over, everyone had left, and there was just the lady and Jesus. He lifted up his head and he said, where are your accusers? And she looked around and said, there's none here. He said, neither do I judge you. Go and stop doing what you're doing. Go and sin no more. She went, and then the Bible tells us that Jesus went into a dissertation. And he told the people, I'm the light of the world. It's a dark place out here, but I'm the light of the world. He says that a lot in the scriptures. Not only that he's the light, he says, I'm the water of life. He says, I'm the light of the world. He says, I'm the door to heaven. I'm the door to having eternal life. It's not the Baptist church. It's not your church. It's not, it's not baptistry waters that are, the, are, are the, the door to heaven. It's not your life or my life. It's Jesus. He will later say, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on him, on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Jesus. He says later on, he says, I'm the vine. You're the husband. Or my father's the husband. You're the branches. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. See, the Bible is about Jesus. Eternal life is about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about a religion. It's about the relationship with one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke of freedom in this passage. You can look at it. I have it on your screen, or you can follow along on your, on your, um, in your Bibles, if you would, please. We're going to look at chapter 8 and verse number 31. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. By the way, there's always people who believe on Jesus. There's people who believe on him. There's people who reject him. Jesus is the most controversial individual in the world. You either love him or you hate him, or you don't understand him. That's why the Bible says, take my yoke. Are you burdened? Are you heavy laden? He said, come unto me and take my yoke and learn of me. The more you love about him, the know about him, the more you'll love him. But he says, to those that believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Real quickly, the Bible tells us there, that people who believe on Jesus, and by the way, that's what it takes to have eternal life. Putting your faith off of you, off of a pastor, off of a, a program, off of baptism, off of a work, and putting your faith completely on the person of Jesus Christ. 
He said, to those people who believe on me, if you will continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. Now, let me just share with you something real quickly. Look up here. There's a difference between believers and disciples. To go to heaven, to have eternal life, all you must do is put your faith in Jesus. Plus nothing, minus nothing. It's not by works of good things we've done. It's according to the mercy of Jesus that we get saved. On the cross, Jesus did all that was needed to be done so we could be saved. And all it takes to have a relationship with God is to believe on his son, Jesus Christ. However, he says, if you have believed, he's talking to believers who've accepted him. He says, if you continue in my word, then ye shall be my disciples indeed. A believer is someone who's put their faith in Christ. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus. Dear friend, in this room, we have people who've been members here for a long time, but really they're just believers. They're not disciples. They're not disciples truly, indeed. There's many people you would say, you know, listen, can you tell me when you accepted Christ? They say, yes. And they would take you to a place when they put their faith in Christ, they became a believer. But they're not a disciple truly. They're not really following Jesus. Do you know why? Because they don't continue in God's word. You don't continue in God's word to go to heaven. You must continue in God's word to be a true disciple, a disciplined follower of Jesus. You know what changed the world? It wasn't believers, it was disciples. You know what would change your life and my life? We'd be a disciple, a true follower of Christ. Not taking God just by fire insurance to keep you out of hell, but to start spending time in his wonderful word. See, what you do with the Bible, friend, will, will just define what God does with you. This is why you need to hear the Word of God. I would encourage you to hear it every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every midweek service. I would encourage you to go to Sunday school. I would encourage you to take a discipleship class. I would encourage you to take the Hammond Bible Institute or, or go into further studies of the Scriptures and read the Bible. Think about the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Study it. Talk about it. And obey it. You and I can be disciplined followers. If you're a real disciple, it will show in your attitude and my attitude about the Bible. You can say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, what's your Bible? What's your attitude toward the Scriptures? He said they're believers and that they're disciples. But look real quickly at the next thought, if we can, please. And I need to hasten. Verse 32, he says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free which is Freedom Sunday, he said, by knowing the truth, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the Word of God, then you get free. Free from what? Free from hang-ups? <laughs> free from, from attitudes? Free from offense? You cannot enslave a Bible-practicing, believing Christian. There's a freedom. Every dictator, every communist leader understood that. Hitler understood that. He could not do what he wanted to do with Germany if, unless he could get the kids and get the people away from the Bible. He separated them from their mothers and fathers. He separated them from their Bibles. He separated them from their church families. Pol Pot understood that in, in Cambodia. Mao understood that in, in, in China. 
Everybody, uh, Fidel Castro understood that in Cuba. Stalin understood that. Every uh, dictator of the world understands if he's going to control people and keep them enslaved, he's got to keep them from the Bible. The devil understands that. That's why he's made sure for, for many years now, our children, they can have any other book, take any other religious writing, take the writings of Hindi, take the writings of, of Confucius. You're not going to have any problem taking that onto the public campuses of our, of our schools. But take a Bible, you've got a problem. They understand that you cannot control a Bible-believing people. They, why the world going squirrely? The world's going squirrely because they have no anchor for their soul. They have no truth. The truth frees them. People are running around thinking they're free, but they're enslaved. Look at the next thing, if we can, please. Verse number 33. And, and they answered him, we have Abraham's. We are Abraham's seed. We've never been bondage to any man. How sayest thou? And ye shall be made free. And it's really silly because the truth of the matter is they were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Persia. They were slaves in... in um, and uh, Babylon, he said, but we're, we're, we're free. And Jesus didn't even bother answering. He said, verily I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant or the slave of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Would you read verse 36 with me? Yet the son therefore shall make you free. Father, I've just got a few moments and I want to share with them the gospel of Jesus. Would you please help? I ask this in your precious name. Amen. On Freedom Sunday, I'd like to talk to you how to be free from the penalty of sin. The Bible tells us here, Jesus says, listen, I'm not talking about your history. I'm not talking about Abraham. I'm not talking about Moses or Egypt or Babylon or Persia. That You were slaves then, but I'm talking about being a slave to sin. He said a person who has a sin problem is a slave. And a slave does not have reservation in his house forever, but a son does. He says, if the son were setting you free, you'd be free indeed. In the Roman Empire, when Jesus was talking about that, as much as 70% of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. And slaves would come and go. Their life was cheap, their labor was cheap, and they would just come and go. But if you were born a son of a Roman citizen, you had, permanent, you had permanent residency. A slave could come in today and be out tomorrow. So slavery is not new to our nation. It's not new to our world. It was very common in the time that they wrote the scriptures here. And the Bible tells us here, he says, I'm talking about being a slave to sin. One thing all of us have in common, we're all stinkers. We're all sinners. We're born that way. We have a nature to sin. You don't have to teach your kids to lie, to throw a fit, to lose their temper, to disobey their parents. It comes natural to them. Why? Because they were born with a human father. And a human father all goes back to Adam. And when Adam sinned, everybody became a sinner. Because all have sinned. And when we sin, we are enslaved and we don't have rights to heaven. We can't live in God's house unless the Son makes us free. There is one person that can grant us eternal life and grant us freedom from sin, and that's Jesus Christ.
And the Bible's telling us here, Jesus is telling these folks, listen, if you're a sinner, you're a slave to sin. And you don't have access to eternal life. But if you can get to the Son, the Son can forgive you and give you eternal life. Where I live, I have seven sons and two daughters. My wife and I were blessed with our children. We loved them. But if I were sitting in my living room this afternoon and I did not know you and you just opened the door and walked in, you didn't ring the doorbell, didn't knock, you just opened the door and walked in and said, how you doing, Mr. Wilkerson? I'd say, who are you? And you could say, well, my name's Bob. I said, well, Bob, let's take up this conversation on my front porch. You have no access here. You're not, you're not welcome. I don't know you. But if you were Bob and you were the very same person and you came in behind our son Mason or Judson or Drew or Coleman or I can't remember all the other kids' names. <laughs> but you came in behind any of our boys and they said, Dad, this is Bob. I would say, come on in, Bob. I would accept you because of our son. The only way anyone has eternal life and freedom from the slavery of sin and the chance to live in God's heaven forever is through his son. Everyone needs freedom. I thank God for the freedom we have in America, but that's not the most important freedom. The freedom you and I need is freedom from sin that enslaves us and that damns us and that exiles us from God. And the way we can have freedom, if the Son, therefore, will make you free, you will be free indeed. Say, Pastor, how could I have eternal life? Let me share with you quickly. Number one, you must believe that you're a sinner and your sin is against a God who's holy. God is holy. We are not. God is innocent. We are guilty. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number one, you must believe that you're a sinner and your sin's against God. Number two, you must believe that sin has a penalty, and that penalty is the lake of fire. That penalty is to be living the rest of eternity without God in a place of torment. But the Bible says, I don't want anyone to die and go to hell. I don't want anyone to perish. Everyone who goes to hell goes to hell against God's desire. He did not want them. He said, I'm not willing that any would perish, but would people would come to a change of mind and focus and repentance is what the Bible term. Number one, we must understand we're sinners. Number two, sinners deserve hell. Number three, Jesus, the innocent, died for us, the guilty. Jesus loves you, and on the cross, he did all that was needed to be done so you and I could believe and receive him. Jesus died for the whole world. He says, I'm not the propitiation just for the people who get saved. I have paid for the sins of the whole world. But it's whosoever that would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. In this room, we have different nationalities, different backgrounds, but if you... Really divide this room out. You have two groups of people. Saved, going to heaven. Lost, going to hell. 
That's just the two masses in, in, in humanity. People who have believed and received Jesus, and they're going to heaven. They've accepted the gift of eternal life, and those who have not, and they're going to be separated from God forever. What group are you in? Have you believed and received God's Son? If so, when? Where? Do you remember when that happened? If you can't remember when that happened, it's probably because you weren't there. But if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. That's why God came. And that's why you're in this auditorium this morning. That's why you're watching on live stream. And that's why you're listening on the radio. It's because God loves you and he wants you to be saved. Are you a slave or are you a son? Are you free from your sin that holds you back? Are you forgiven? 